You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. Today I'm going to minister to you a message. It's entitled, How Far Can Victory Take Us? And I'm talking about the victory of the cross. You know, when Jesus went to the cross, we know that he didn't die for his own sins. He had no sins. He was without sin. So we know that on the cross he died for us. But what about the resurrection? When he rose up, he didn't raise up for himself. He was the Son of God. All things were made by him and for him. Everything was under him in the beginning. He rose from the dead so that he could raise up humanity to the place that God had originally designed us so that we could rule and reign over his creation. That's what Jesus did for us. And today what I want to talk about is how far does that victory go? How much could we expect God to move in our lives personally? How many of the promises can we expect God to manifest in our lives? How good can it be with the evolving of the kingdom of God in our life? How good it could. And you're going to learn this, that when God allows mountains in our lives, once we face those mountains and believe in faith, God doesn't want those mountains to come back. In other words, maybe you've had a mountain of a bad relationship. Well, God's word not only wants you to overcome that problem, but he, he doesn't want it to return again. Maybe you've been through a financial downfall. Maybe you've lost your house, whatever. God never wants you to have to go through that problem again in your life. It doesn't really matter what the mountain is. But when God said to cast into the sea, it means that you're not going to have to deal with it again. And so I want to talk about that today, and I believe it will cause all of us to say, listen, I'm never going to be broke again. I'm never going to have that illness come back on me again. I'm never going to have this financial problem I've had before. I'm going to end that right now in the name of Jesus. And that's why I felt so led to preach this, because I think sometimes we don't take the victory of Christ far enough in our faith, and I made this statement as I started that the evolving of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is the church, and most people, when they think of the evolving of the kingdom, they actually think things are going to be worse for Christians the closer we get to the return of Jesus, but I can prove to you scripturally that is not true. Actually, the church is going to go from faith to faith to glory to glory, and there'll be greater manifestations in the church than we ever saw in years past the closer we get to the return of Jesus. Come on, church. Someone say hallelujah. Now, I want you to turn, if you got your Bibles, or you can look up on the screen here, uh, a story of Daniel. Because I want to show you that whenever you use your vision or whatever, you're going to face a fiery furnace. There's going to be an ordeal in your life that you're going to have to go through. And here the king had told everybody, when you hear the sound of this golden thing, you had to bow down and worship or else. And so it starts out, Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying to them, it is true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my God or worship the golden image which I set up. Now, if you are ready at the time, you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, and the uh, uh, pastry, not pastry, <laughs> in sympathy with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the, of the 
burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Now watch this next part. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Now watch this. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. Say he's able. But he goes farther. From the burning fire furnace. Now watch this. Say it with me. And he will deliver us. Come on, say it like you mean it. He will deliver us from the hand of the king, O king. Now watch the next part. But if not, let it be known to you, O God, o, o king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. Now, that second part doesn't mean they were in doubt and unbelief. It just simply, they said it, if I could paraphrase it, even if God didn't promise deliverance, we're still not going to bow down and worship your idols. Amen? And I think Christians need to be the same way. All right, don't give me that what else. We're going to serve God no matter what the state says, no matter what the government says. We're, when, God, when the government starts asking us to disobey God, that's when we have to rise up like these three young men and say, no way, Jose. Amen, praise God. We've got to do what the Word of God says. Now, in the story, they get thrown in the fiery furnace. And you remember there's a man in the furnace with them, which we know is Jesus. And we know that the furnace didn't hurt them. The only thing that had burned off were the ropes that they were tied up. The king was so angry that he had it heated up seven times as much. And when they came out of the furnace, they not only didn't smell like smoke, they were promoted the same day. And, and it was made a state religion that the God they served, don't say anything about that God, or we are going to burn your homes up with fire. And so the whole culture changed. At that moment, it was a trial in their life that they never had to repeat against in their life. In other words, it was a one-time trial. They exercised their faith, and God said, never again, never again, Never again. I'm telling you, never again are we going to be oppressed by COVID-19. Never again are we going to have this stuff going on in life. Never again are we going to have this racism and all this stuff that's been in, the, in our country. Never again. I believe God has brought us through this trial, and God wants to deliver our country from it. Get rid of what is evil and get what is righteous alive unto God. Say amen, everybody. And you know, when I minister this, the part that is difficult for me is because I realize that a lot of people have been through bad marriages and they're in a second relationship. And I want to get rid of the fear in your life right now that that one might not work out. I want you to stand in faith and believe that never again am I going through a divorce. Never again am I going to lose my home. Never again am I going to have that disease come back on me. Praise God. Because God doesn't intend to have it come again. In fact, I can prove it to you. You remember the story of Job. Job was one of the wealthiest men in the East. And he had all this wealth, great children, all that. But he had a fear. He had a fear of success. He kept saying, uh, he said this after the trial came, that which I greatly feared had come upon him. Because he had experienced so much success, there was a fear in his life that he would lose it. And it gave a doorway to Satan to come in and steal, kill, and destroy. But when he stood faithful and God restored him, what happened? What happened was this. He gave him double for his trouble. And the Bible said that, that uh, Job not only got some more children, got all of his wealth back, double for the trouble. And it also says that he was old 
and full of his days. In other words, God extended his life. Can you say amen? And he never, ever, ever again was concerned that the hedge that was around him would ever be taken. Think about that. God allowed it the first time because of fear. And that's what I want to drive out right now is fear. The fear that is going to come back on you. God not only delivers us from the problem, but he delivers us from the fear that is behind the problem. And a lot of times we have fear in our life that we think it's going to come back on us. We're going to go broke this time. This marriage ain't going to work this time. My kids are screwing up. You know, I helped them last time. They're going to mess up again. And that fear leaves a doorway for the devil to come in. God says, no, I want you to speak to the mountain, cast into the sea. And once it's in the sea, it's not going to come back again. When Jesus spoke to the fig tree, that fig tree never produced a seed again. It never produced another fig. It was dead. It was gone. It was forever. My troubles are going away, and they're never coming back. My troubles are leaving, and they've hit the highway. Say amen. And so, but it talks about how the devil captures us. And that they may come to their senses and escape the snare, say snare, of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. How does the devil take you captive? By getting in your mind. In other words, the battle is in your mind. It's not anywhere else. Whatever kind of problem you're facing in your life, if you can overcome it in your mind by renewing your mind, the devil will have no place. We give him place, which is that you go through affect you spiritually. And a lot of times there's memories in your life that cause you to make bad decisions. Let me explain what I mean by that. Let's say, ladies, you grew up in a family where the father was abusive. And he abused your mom, he abused you, your brothers abused you. And so you grow up and you're a Christian and you get saved and, and you do all those things and you move out. But yet your view of men has been affected by what happened to you in the past. And when you see a man, all the pain <clears throat> of those abuses pop up in you. Can you say amen? amen? And the decisions that you make are affected by it. What God wants us to do is renew our mind according to the word of God. As we renew our mind according to the word of God, something wonderful is going to happen to us. And what's going to happen is simply this. There's going to be a healing of those memories in your life so that it doesn't affect the decisions that you make. Amen? Or how about this one? You grow up in a family and your family was really not very well off. They were poor most of the time. And your parents used to always make fun of people that had money. Always say they're stealing and lying and all this stuff. And the reality is, it's just they learned it from their parents and so forth, and they told it to you. So you grow up, and, and all of a sudden, you start prospering. And you start feeling guilty about the increase that you received in your life. It's a bad filter. And the thing is, if you don't fix that bad filter, you'll not make the kind of decisions that will bring you greater into, into greater blessings. You'll make decisions that take you the opposite direction. And that's why a lot of times sins are repeated in Christians' lives. It's because of the filter system they have. That's why they'll get in one marriage and, and they'll make the same mistakes because of how they grew up and they have the same pain associated and they react the wrong way. And then they, they, 
get a divorce, get married again, but they got the same filters. But when you go to the Bible and start studying the scriptures, God starts fixing those filters. And the pain of the past is no longer controlling you. And then you can become as great as God wants you to become. And you can accomplish as much as God wants you to accomplish. And you can soar as much as God wants you to soar. Because God's called us not to be defeated. He's called us to go over the top. And sometimes we're our worst enemy because we've given place to the devil in our thought life instead of renewing our mind to the Word of God. Hallelujah. And I'm not talking about thoughts that are extraordinary. I'm just talking about suggestions. The devil does this. When he tempted Judas Iscariot to betray Jesus, the Bible says that he put a suggestion, this is one of the translations, in Judas's mind. Another translation says he put a thought in Judas's mind. And once that thought came in, it says that Satan entered Judas. So I wonder how many of us We've given Satan access into our lives through a suggestion. You got a nice family, you got a nice husband, and you're driving on the road and the kids are screaming and this voice comes to you and says, God has something better for you than this. Or maybe you're the man and you're got a great family, got a great job, and all of a sudden this little cute thing comes along and this little voice says, God has something better for you than what you have at home. It could be that simple. But what happens is the way we respond to it is really determined by the healing of our mind. That's why I tell you to come to church, not just because you should go to church, but you need to go there. You're in boot camp. You're studying to be an overcomer. You're studying to reign. You're studying to be more, uh, more than a conqueror. You're studying to be the next generation that overcomes. You're studying to overcome <clears throat> so that God's will and purpose can soar in your life. So I want to help you with some of that. You know, years ago, it was a long time ago, I, I actually didn't believe in the healing of the memories. I thought that was just probably uh, uh, psychobabble, and it probably wasn't scriptural until the Lord started healing my memory. And I remember it was at a, I was, uh, I'd been touched by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit revival. And I was at, on my couch just worshiping God, and, and it felt like rain starting to fall on me, just rain starting to fall on me. And all of a sudden, all these things of the past, it seemed like the grace of God just fell on me and started cleansing me of these people that had betrayed me, people that had taken advantage of people. And man, once that was done, the love of God began to flow outside of me, out of me in a way that I'd never experienced in my life. I'm not talking about psychological stuff here. I'm talking about the power of the new man in Christ Jesus, the power of the anointing, the power of the Holy Spirit to remove that pain, remove that sorrow, remove that, that fatigue that you go through where you can sleep at night and you can rejoice with God. Come on, church. Give God praise right now. Give him a praise offering. He's so good. <clears throat> He's so good. 
And he really wants you to get this truth because I believe it's going to set you at another level. Because God's got more for you than what you've had. And God doesn't want you repeating the mistakes you've made in the past. He wants you to get past that. But some of you need a healing in your memories because of the sorrow. And maybe you were molested. Maybe you were raped. Maybe you were abused. Maybe you were struck down. Man, I tell you what, I have been abused by the best. I remember I had a guy one time in our church. He not only wrote terrible things about me on the Internet, but he hired a detective specifically to try to find something wrong with my life. Can you believe how evil people can get? Well, I mean, you know, I'm not squeaky clean. I mean, I don't take drugs and do all that and drink and all that, but they obviously couldn't find anything because my wife keeps me so together. Say amen. <laughs> But you know what I'm talking about? I had someone sue me one time. I mean, people do evil things. But I don't really think about it anymore. I had someone coming to me one time. said, Pastor, remember? I said, oh, yeah, that was, what was it, 20 years ago? Oh, yeah. And, 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 and then they start talking about the area they got offended in. And I said, I don't even remember it. I don't even remember what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. I said, Come on, you still been thinking about that for 20 years? you got to be kidding. Get your life together. I didn't say that. I was sweet. <clears throat> I want to read you a verse. It shows you that God will make you forget the pain of the past. Put it on the screen, Genesis. Joseph named the firstborn Manassas, for he said, God has made me forget. Say forget. All my trouble. Oh, my father's household. David, or excuse me, Joseph was betrayed by his brothers. They actually almost murdered him. They hated him so bad, sold him into slavery. So he went from slavery, work at Potiphar's house. He went from there to being thrown in jail. Oh, Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. He ran. You know the story. The thing I want you to see is that in spite of all that, the Lord was able to heal his trouble. Can you say that? Because if the Lord has, you'll be able to love that person. There are people that have burned me so bad, but I can love them. I can just love them. Because God has healed me of my past. Amen. I said he's healed me of it. It's not that I don't have some remembrance of it. But it doesn't have that effect that it had in the beginning. The anointing has changed it through revelation. It has changed through revelation. So I don't, wait, I don't stay up all night worrying about it, thinking about it, whatever, writing books about it, calling it. Everybody. And you know, I don't do that. I just say, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. They need the Lord too. And it's powerful. I want you to close your eyes right now. Put your hands up to heaven right now. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to fall on you right now and cleanse you of many of those sorrows. Some of you young girls, boy, you still haven't gotten over that boy that burns you. That took advantage of you. You're hurting. You're hurting. And because of it, you're not picking the right boyfriends. Because you're picking out of hurt instead of picking out of love. Father, in the name of Jesus, 
Let your healing power descend now on your people, Lord. There's so many things we can be angry about. There's so many things we've been hurt about. There's so many things, Father, in there. I'm asking the power of the Holy Spirit would descend right now and begin to cleanse you like rain, like rain, like rain. Cleanse those memories of those pains, of those past. Father, we thank you for it, and we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now, some of you are going to go home today, and you're going to sit on the couch and start to worship God, and something's going to happen to you. The Spirit of God's going to continue to fall on you. And when he gets done with you, you're going to see things in a different light. And you're going to be more able to be the champion that God has called you to be than you've ever been in your past. Champion. I said Champion. I want you to see this verse. Uh, it's in Joshua chapter 1. Flip over there if you would or look up on the screen. Joshua chapter 1. Listen when it says. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Say all the days of your life. Not just in the bad season, not just in the good season, but all the days of your life. As always with Moses, so I will be with you. I will, I will not leave you nor forsake you. Most Christians love that verse, but they forget the verses attached to it. In other words, God said, nothing's going to be able to stand before you. No disease, no lack, no mountain, no problem is going to be able to stand before you because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You're going to be able to rise up all your life, all your life. Come on, David said the same thing. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, not just now and then, but all the days of my life. As long as I got breath, I got victory. As long as I can say, praise God, I have dominion over my problems. Amen. I don't know. I got excited about it. Can, can you get a little excited here and thank God? I mean, this is so powerful when you see it in the light of what the scripture says, that God will, in fact, give us victory. Let me describe it to you like this. Joshua had the attitude of a king. The attitude of the reigning of Christ in his life. And when you have that, nothing can touch you. When you can, you can get in a place in God's will where absolutely nothing can touch you. Disease can't touch you. Fatigue can't touch you. Anxiety can't touch you. You can get a place in Christ where nothing can touch you. First John chapter 5, verse 18 says, Whoever is born of God keeps himself. And it says that the evil one touches him not. Satan can't take away your new birth. He can't take away the fact that you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. He can't take away the fact that you're more than a conqueror. He can't take away who you are in Christ. He can't touch it. And when you have victory like this, let me tell you what's going to happen. This is powerful victory. Powerful victory. Nothing will be able to touch you. I want you to think about Joshua. He's called to God to possess the promised land, but to do so, he has to conquer kingdoms. He's got to take on catapults. He's got to take on archers. 
He's got to take on trained soldiers. He's got to take on cities built to be defense. Jericho, so big that you can have chariot races on top of it. He's got to take it on. And God tells him, I've given you the city and the mighty men inside of it. And we know the story. The walls came down. They ran up, ran up and took the city. Here's the part so powerful. Not one person was lost in battle. Out of those three to four million people, not one of them was lost in battle. Not one casualty. Not one person died. Not one person was taken off. Think about a war where there's no casualties. The only casualties were on the enemy side. But yet, in the same, same, same context, the next battle was Ai, a small city. 38 men died because of one man that took the tithe out of Jericho that God had designated for the temple worship. And he took it along with some Babylonian garments and they went up to fight at Ai and because he had done that, they lost 38 men and Joshua fell to his faith and began to cry out to God, Oh, God, what has happened? Why did you let this happen? In other words, he knew when there was a casualty, he was out of the will of God. He knew there was something wrong, that when God calls us to battle, he doesn't lose anybody in the battle. He doesn't lose anybody in the fight. He doesn't lose anyone in it. When we're in the center of God's will, we can win. We're not going to be a knockoff. Well, most of you made it, but not all of you made it. No, all are going to make it. All you're going to make it. You're going to make it. You're going to recover. You're going to prosper. You're going to go over the top. You're going to sing songs of praise. You're not, you're going to be one of the winners. You're on the first string. You're Come on. Hallelujah, Jesus. Well, if you hear he never spoke in tongues, I, I don't mean to do that. I just got to beside myself. Praise God. What you, I'm sorry. I could interpret it for you, but I'm going to just preach it instead. I, I want you to see this, that there's a victory that God calls every one of us to win. Every one of us to win. Nothing could touch you. Did you know in Israel, out of all those people they had there, that they gave him a promise that not one woman would have a miscarriage. In the Roman Empire, at the time Jesus went to the cross, you know they had 15 to 20% of all the newborns died within the first year. But yet when you're in God's blessing, that don't happen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Man, you get my wife pregnant, she, oh, the baby, yeah, no problem, baby, we're going to have another one, another one, another one, another one, another one. Talk about increase at church. Hallelujah, Jesus. <laughs> God, and that's not to make anybody feel bad that has experienced loss. I feel for you. But I'm telling you, let's go to the fight, expecting to win, expecting to succeed, expecting to be the person that God has called us to be and be the champion, the champion. Hallelujah. Don't you know that the proportion of your inheritance is distributed according to your proportion of your identity. In other words, if you see yourself in the light of the gospel as Christ inside of you, the riches of your inheritance get really big. But if you see yourself as less, the inheritance is limited. 
The 12 tribes went into the promised land to check it out. 10 came back with a, t a bad report. Only two had a good report. And what did they say? We saw ourselves as grasshoppers in their sight. And so were we. Only Joshua and Caleb saw themselves as kings, saw themselves as Christ, saw themselves as people who were reigning in Christ, and they were the ones that went in. They're the ones. Did you know that all of you are referred to in Scripture as lions? Jesus from the tribe. Oh, come on. Praise God. We are lions. <laughs> Look at this verse. Look at this. Proverbs. A lion which is mighty among beasts doesn't turn away from any. Let me paraphrase. A lion which is you don't turn away from cancer. Don't turn away from poverty. Don't turn away from fatigue. Don't turn away from fear. Don't turn away from what's being said. You attack because you know you are greater. You know you're on the top of the chain. You know that you can overcome. You know that you can prevail. You know that whatever's coming at you in your life, you can change it. And not only change it for your life, you can change it for your children's life. And you can change it for the next generation. Church, we got to raise up. There's an evolving of the kingdom of God in America today in the church. The church has got to wake up. It's got to wake up. It's got to go into the public schools and say, you're not going to teach this crap to my kids. You're not going to steal from me anymore. I'm not going to give up my freedom in this country. I was born free. I will die free. Hallelujah, Jesus. We are controlling this thing. They're not controlling this thing. We are controlling it. God can take them out as well as he can put them in. The church needs to rise up and say, wait a minute. This is our country. God gave us this place, and it's going to display the righteousness of God. I'm so excited in Texas. It's pretty hard to get an abortion now in Texas. Someone say amen. And did you notice? Did you notice that COVID goes, is going down in Texas faster than any other state? You know why? Because they decided they're not going to take it anymore. We're not going to kill babies anymore. We're going to do what God's word says. Amen. I realize we're in a rough state, but we're rough. We're rough. This is our state. This is our reign. This is our sunshine. This is our state. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. Come on, give God praise offered right now. Woo! Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, Jason and I have been all around the, we've been all around the world, and, and uh, we like Washington. I know it rains, but it's home. Maybe it's because there's so many needs in Washington. This is the most needy place in the world. And you are right there in the middle of it to help out. To break the drug addict. See, they're trying to get these people off drugs. You can't get people off drugs without Jesus. 
You get people off drugs by laying hands on them, casting the devil out of them. And if they got a willing heart, God will give them the power to change. Say amen. We got, we got a church that's got to rise up. We got to be the one that makes the difference in our family. Hallelujah. Now I want you just to meddle in. I'm sorry. Praise God. I want you to see then that our faith can go a lot farther than what we think it can. And the riches of your inheritance are determined by the way you see yourself. If you don't see yourself in the light of Scripture, your inheritance will be limited. Remember when John said this, this is the confidence we have before him, that if we ask anything, Gordon's will, he hears us. But what's the confidence he's talking about? The confidence comes by believing in his name. Because when you believe in the name of Jesus, his righteousness is imparted to it to us. And when it's imparted to us, there's a boldness that God hears me because of his righteousness. God, my, my words have authority because of what Christ did for me. It's his authority inside of me. It creates a boldness that you can take on the wiles of the devil. Let me give you an example of it. Look in John chapter 14, verse 13. This is the verse most people think is talking about prayer, but it's not talking about prayer. It's talking about using the name of Jesus in faith. Look what he says. Whatever you ask in my name, circle the word ask. It's a Greek word for demand. It's translated ask because it has this idea in it of something that is required. It is demanded. Kind of like if you go buy a house, uh, they demand that you pay 20% down or whatever it may be to purchase the house if you want to borrow the money. That's how this word is used. That's why uh, if you look at your concordances, it'll translate it demand. So he's talking about the name of Jesus. Je Jesus never once gave a demon spirit the option whether or not to come out. He commanded them to come out because he's talking about authority in his name. And whatever you demand in my name, I will do it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Whew. And if you demand anything in my name, I will do it. You got sickness in your body? What you need to do is look at that body and say, body, in the name of Jesus, you comply to the word of God. In the name of Jesus, you be healthy like the word of God says you should. In the name of if your mind's going crazy, you need to speak to your mind, say, mind, you need to submit in the name of Jesus to the mind of Christ. You need to think in line with what he says. Think in line with what, oh. Yes! That's what I say. There's a difference between this church and some churches. Any church that preaches Christ is a good church, but this revelation of how to fight in faith makes all the difference. It releases the power of God. We know we're going to heaven, but what about bringing heaven to this earth? What about getting healed? What about power that changes nations? 
What about power that removes that mountain in your life of that career that God gave you that God wants you to have? Pastor, I don't have enough money to start this business, but God put the vision inside of you. In the name of Jesus, I speak to that, that mountain of financials, finances. I command it to be lifted up and cast into the sea. In Jesus' mighty name, it'll never stop me. Next day, phone call calls me and listen, I heard you're building this crib. I'd like to invest into it. God can do it many different ways, but you got to fight in faith for your marriage. You got to fight in faith for your health. You got to fight in faith for our country. You got to fight in faith for our school district. You got to fight in faith for our government. You got to fight in faith for it all. Man, when you do that, power moves. It moves and God takes what is incredible and makes it extraordinary. And people go, how in the world could you do that? I remember when I was first called to ministry, I was in construction. I was sitting in the job shack with about 15 other guys. These are all people that didn't know Jesus. And they said, uh, what are you going to do? And I said, God's called me into ministry. They all laughed at me. There's no way they say you can do it. No, Oral Roberts has got all. That's what they said. You won't be able to do it. Well, Baha. I'm doing it now. You're probably watching me on television right now. I'm doing it now. You know why? Because God's my source. God's my power. No denomination. No group of people. It is God is my source. And what God is your source, you can get the breakthrough you need in your life. You can get the blessing you need in your life. Woo, man. Hallelujah, Jesus. I want to close with this. Turn with me to Daniel chapter 3. And I'm going to give you one of the great truths that has been good to me all these years. That have made me elevated in revelation. Elevated in how I see things. And has opened up many, many doors of understanding in the word that I did not see before. Daniel chapter 3. I want you to listen to what is said. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. Now watch this. He's not only able, and he will deliver us. Let me say it again. And he will deliver us. You may be struggling right now with a terrible mountain in your life, and I want you to say this. He will deliver us. You may be in a place that you don't even have enough money to pay your rent and I want you to say this. He will deliver you. You may be in a place you feel like you got to end up, take drugs and go to a psychiatrist because you're about ready to fall apart and I want you to say, but he will deliver us. Say it one more time. He will deliver us. Now here's the part. Here's the part I want you to see. Do you have to say that? Yes, you have to say it. You have to fight in faith. You have to fight in faith. Stand to your feet right now. Come on, come on, come on. Listen to this truth. You're going to love this. You're going to love this. You will never go any higher than your profession of faith. You will never rise up any higher than what your faith says 
you will go. You will never ascend to the place that God wants you to send unless your confession's at that place first. You gotta start saying who you where you're going first before God will get you there. You gotta start saying, Yes, all my children are gonna be saved. Yes, my house is gonna be paid off. Yes, I've got a career. Yes, it's I got my own business. Yes, hallelujah. Because God will deliver us. Come on, church. Give God praise, everybody. Give him praise. Give him praise. Give him praise. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.